topic tonight from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 54, barren, abundantly blessed. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now that is kind of a, a shocking statement from the Lord. I mean, how can you say more will be the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman? Man, it's totally upside down. Everything God's economy seems to be upside down. He says you give and more is given back to you. Uh, you rest and you're blessed and, you know, just so many different ways. Uh, God's, you, that you forgive those that have done wrong. Uh, you know, over and over again, God's word is just totally different than our human thinking. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up and, you know, all these different uh, dichotomies. And this is one of them, that the barren will have more children than the married woman. And uh, so that was probably, no doubt, a shocking statement in Isaiah's day, as much as it would be today, and maybe even more so. And not having children is difficult in today's day and age for many women. How much more so in that day when the dependency upon the children, I mean, just to talk about an agricultural community and culture of that day, um, go back in the United States oh, a little over 100 years ago, 80% of the people lived and worked on farms, and only 20% lived in cities. Yes. And today it's just more than just the opposite. It's over 80% live in the cities, and less than 20% live and work on the farms. When you had that farming community to be able to take care of a big farm, it helped to have lots of children, and they didn't have to have to be that old before they were given chores and, and, and participating in the family life and helping. And then that became their inheritance. Their children became the ones that would take care of the parents and run the farm when the parents no longer could and, and then provide for the parents. So long before there were retirement, funds and 401ks and social security and assisted living facilities and nursing homes. It was the children's responsibility to take care of the parents. And so if you didn't have children when you got old, there were very little resources then to be able to take care of the, of the parents. Plus the, the whole lineage, and especially when your land then was inherited uh, by divine decree to stay within the tribe and be inherited by uh, the children and then the grandchildren to keep the name alive and the nation alive and the, the tribe alive. But even today, uh, even without as much of a need for the children to take care, actually too often today I see parents taking care of their children, parents in their 60s, 70s, 80s with their children in their 40s and 50s and 60s living in their parents' homes and being taken care of by their parents, just the opposite of how it was then and, 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 and on the rise and, and not just a casual occurrence. And grandparents raising uh, grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren and just so absurd to, to biblical thinking in biblical times. But as we look at uh, down through the ages difficulties uh, regarding this, uh, we would not have the Church of England today if it was not such a, uh, a burden placed upon the king to have children 
and in particular a male heir, right? Uh, uh, King Henry VIII, right? If I got my history right, uh, his wife couldn't bear him a child and he wanted to divorce her and the Pope wouldn't let, her, let him divorce her. And uh, so, so he said, well, I'll just start at my own church. <laughs> I don't need the Pope anymore. We'll start our own church and I'll get permission from my priest to divorce her and marry someone else so I can have a child. And that's how the Church of England was founded. And they beheaded her, right? <laughs> so um, so it, it was you know, pretty serious business. Uh, and we look in, in the Bible times, we look at uh, um, um, well, I had it earlier. Uh, well, Abraham, right? Sarah, Sarah, you know, wanting a child. And Abraham wanting a child, the promised child, and, and having the child. Uh, at, that's right. So he said, we have to have a children, right? So she wanted a child so bad that she was willing to let her husband sleep with a maid and have a child through her. That's how desperate she was to have even a adopted child in that sense. And other, we have other, uh, uh, we have Samuel being born under the grief of his mother, crying and going down to the temple and praying before, uh, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah praying before um, Samuel Eli. and Eli. Eli, thank you, thank you, praying before Eli with tears and crying, so much so that he thought she was drunk, and, uh, and God gave her a child and blessed her with a child. We have the story of Elijah uh, going to the Shulamite woman. And she wasn't able to have a child, and God blessed her with a child. We have um, Elizabeth, who in her later age did not have a child, and God blessed her with John, who became John the Immerser, Yachohen the Immerser. And so we have lots of stories of, of that being a central part of the story and central part of the theme for the person. Uh, even in our day and age, here in this congregation, we had um, uh, a couple that lived here, they now lived up in Newport, live up in Newport Ritchie and attend our congregation up there. Um, she was over 40 and close to the age where it would be difficult for her to be able to have a child and uh, prayed earnestly for a child. God blessed with a child. Another couple uh, who uh, also same type of situation, married many years and tried many, for many years, went to doctors and all kinds of different things and um, done so that they could have children and nothing was working. And, um, and then at over 40, she got pregnant. Miraculously, really, and, uh, and both have uh, lovely children. Uh, but I've seen it be such a heartbreak for, for some women. There was a, a lady just in the news uh, in Israel uh, just about three, two, three months ago, 65 years old, gave birth to a child. God help her. <laughs> You know? <laughs> on, on Fox News today, they had, they had, a, uh, they had a study where women that You have to tell me later. I can't, I can't stop right now. Tell, you can tell us afterwards. But, uh, um, and Barbara. Barbara was over 40, hadn't had a child, was desiring a child. And now, uh, over 20 years later, she's still raising children. <laughs> so you've got to be careful what you ask for. <laughs> And it looks like another 10 or more years uh, we'll be raising children. And so, uh, so you've got to be careful what you ask for and careful what you want. And so in that sense, the barren has more children than some of the married uh, women. And uh, 
So how does God fulfill this? But God promises this. And he tells the parent, and again, I've, I've been through some women just praying, crying, and, and, and having such a difficult time with this, having a difficult time to have faith and a difficult time to, to believe that God loves them because they don't have children. But here, Isaiah, through God is telling them through Isaiah, sing. Break forth into singing. Cry aloud with joy, you who have not labored. Because God is going to bless you with more children than the desolate. I did a funeral for a lady, uh, married over 50 years. They never had children. The lady loved children. But they fostered something like 20-something children uh, and were such a blessing to so many, so many people. So many children and now so many adults. In some ways, that is a fulfillment of this. She fulfilled it in her life. More children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. One key thing is to be content. In other words, God can bring anything. God can bless. And if you want children, you don't necessarily have to be married. And you don't have to necessarily have a husband. I'm not talking about uh, artificial insemination that's done by sometimes single women today because of the desperate desire to have children. And I think our society feeds that. But the pressure is on Henry VIII sometimes with Mother's Day every year and the and the cards, and the days of advertising for it that goes on, and, and what some congregations do to, to just kind of just push that upon people and put that pressure upon people. And then we have women who, 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 who go directly against the word of God and decide so desperate to get married so they can have children that they're willing to even marry and be unequally yoked just so they can have children, just so they can have a husband. And it's often disastrous and sad. And then disastrous for the children to be raised under that split uh, union. But God's word, it says, to just rejoice, to sing, to trust God. Because he can bring out of a barren womb. I mean, look at the miracles that he did with that, right? Abraham, Sarah, barren womb. Joseph and Miriam, Mary, Yeshua coming from an unfertilized egg. God can do miraculous things. And God can fulfill it in different ways today, if he chooses, in whatever way he chooses. He brought Adam out of dirt. He brought Eve out of a rib. God can do anything. God can bring children and bless with children or, or meet the need that the soul is longing for, that the heart is longing for. The key is to trust the Lord. Trust his promises. This is such a wonderful promise. Sing. Sing in our despair. Sing in our loneliness. Sing in our loss. Sing about the very thing that, that hurts us. Rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what it seems like is missing in our life, no matter what it seems like what others have but we don't, God tells us to rejoice because God promises to meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. And whatever the real need is, 
And the real need is not necessarily, you know, two little feet and diapers. But the real need, God can meet it. And even sometimes, definitely, in better ways than a stinky diaper can do. God can meet our needs. He promises to meet the real need if we will trust in him. So he tells us in the meantime to sing and cry aloud and rejoice in him and trust in him. And he will bring forth more from the desolate than from the married. It's a wonderful promise. If we will believe, trust in him. Be content in him. And he says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains and your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. He promises it. He promises more will be the children and he says, prepare for it. Expand your horizons. See what blessing God has for you. See what opening God has for you. See what ministry God has for you. See how God will use you in expanding his kingdom, in expanding your heart, in expanding your life. God promises. Trust him. That's what it's all about. That's what faith is all about. Faith is believing without seeing of what God will do. I mean, I don't know what God's going to do with, with all the aborted babies or all the babies who, who, who die young uh, and whose parents aren't going to be in heaven. I don't know what he's going to do with them. But he may very well just have them raised by those who didn't have a chance to raise children here. I don't know how God makes it up, but God promises he will provide for our needs and he says, prepare for it. Spread your curtains. Spread your... Strengthen your, the, the cords. Lengthen the cords. Strengthen the stakes. Prepare the house. Prepare the heart. And let God lead. And let God show. Right? The story Gloria read today, today, the various stewardship and stories that she reads, being faithful to God with our time, with our resources, with our talents, with our abilities. And that person didn't know why God was going to use them, and God used them in blessing many other people. It says God saying, prepare. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to use you in abundant ways, in more abundant ways than someone who's tied down to changing diapers. I'm going to bless you. And your descendants, those whom you bless, those who I use to bless you, will inherit nations and will fill your heart, fill your soul, and fill your house, so much so you will not have room to hold it in. Be overflowing, filling cities. Verse 4, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. What a wonderful promise. Especially, again, in society when not having children was a shame. Even today in Jewish Orthodox circles, if a woman is not able to bear a child, the husband is allowed to divorce her to get another wife. Ashamed. 
Look about the pressure. He says, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. That is a promise from God. Whether we get into heaven or not comes down to one simple thing. Whether we believe God's promises or not. And this is a wonderful promise. As wonderful as any of other, the others. And just as much so as all of them. Believe his promise. You will not be ashamed. Fear not. You will not be ashamed. You will not be disgraced. You will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood. God will provide. God will use you. God will meet your every need. We don't need to be like Abraham and Sarah and try and come up with our own method in our own way of trying to meet our need and fulfill God's promise. God says, I won't be ashamed to. i got to do this thing to, to make it happen. No, let God work. God will work in miraculous ways. Trust in the Lord. We don't have to disobey God's word in order to fulfill one of his promises. Better to remain single than to be unequally yoked. Better to trust in the Lord and wait on the Lord than to try and manifest some need in our mind by disobeying God to do so. Trust in the Lord. Do not fear. You will not be ashamed nor disgraced. You will not be put to shame for you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your womanhood Four, verse 5, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. God will marry and there is no better spouse. There is no one who can meet our need better than him. Let me look at all these descriptions. He's our husband. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the redeemer of the holy and the holy one of Israel. He is the God of the whole earth. He is the best. There's nothing better than to be married to him. And if we're married to him, he will bring forth fruit. He will bring forth children. He will cause abundance in our lives. We can sing and trust in him. And so not only is it difficult for many people not to have children, it's difficult for people to not have a spouse. Again, society just presses that, pushes that so hard. But again, God says, don't worry about that. More important, be married to him. He will satisfy the longing of the soul. The loneliest people in this world are not single people. The loneliest people in this world are people who are married but not matched. 
Marry the Lord. Be content in Him. And then He can trust us with someone else. If it's according to His will. They asked Yeshua, will we marry in heaven? They gave him an example. Who was the person married? They were married several times. and Their spouses died. Who will they marry? He says, you know, not heaven. No, not the kingdom of God. In heaven we'll be like angels. Not that we become angels, but we'll be like angels in the sense that we'll not be married and given in marriage. So in that sense, the angels are not married. And yet I don't know of any angel who's petitioning God to allow that angel to become a human being so that they can get married. The angels aren't up there saying, boy, oh boy, those humans are so fortunate. Boy, they get to marry and we're angels and we don't get to marry. Boy, why was I born an angel? Why didn't God make me a human instead? God meets their needs. God is able to meet our needs. And God will meet our needs in heaven as well. He'll meet our every need according to his riches and glory. If we believe God's promises, we will be content in all things and at all times because God is meeting our needs. Sometimes we've got to believe that by faith. Sometimes it doesn't look like that. But we need to trust him. That's what it comes down to. Do we believe him? Do we believe his word? Do we believe his promise? And these are some wonderful promises. Again, just the opposite of what the world will tell us. That we're missing out if we don't have this and we don't have that. But God's word says, all we need is him. That's all we need. And then we will have more than enough. For the mountain, verse 10, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. And what a love letter. What a chapter of love. God who will provide for us, a God who is the God of the whole earth, the God who is the Lord of hosts, the God of, the, of Israel, the Lord God Almighty, who will pour kindness upon us and his covenant of peace, his promise of peace in our heart, perfect peace in our soul, peace in our mind, and have mercy upon us. What a wonderful God. Promises all these things, and do we need anything else? Do we need anything else? Love from God, peace. Kindness, goodness. If we're not experiencing peace in our soul, if we're not experiencing contentment, if we can't sing, no matter what our circumstance, no matter what our situation, it means we're at that point in time in our lives not trusting God. And that we need to turn our eyes upon Him. Surrender to him all our wants. Confess to him our unbelief. Confess to him that we want this thing more than we want him. 
We want a spouse, we want a child, we want finances, we want a job, we want what, a house, we want a car, we want whatever we want. We're not content. That has become our idol above God. I want that job, I want that position. Trust the Lord and be content in all things. And he will give us his perfect peace. And we'll be able to rejoice in the Lord always, even if we've just been beaten and whipped and thrown into a dark, dirty dungeon with rats and mold and sickness and disease. And we'll be able to rejoice in the Lord always. So we trust the Lord. Verse 11. Afflicted one, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. I will lay your stones with colorful gems and your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystals, and your walls of precious stones. Again, beautiful promises. To those that are afflicted, to those that are tossed, to those that have not been comforted, God promises abundance riches, peace, mercy, kindness, power, victory, blessings, expanded territory, multitudes, descendants, and riches beyond measure. Wonderful promises of the Lord that are given to the afflicted given to those who are tossed, can't sleep at night, tossing to and fro because of the tempest in their minds, can't be consoled and can't be comforted. Trust the Lord. Find peace in him. Verse 13, because all your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. It's a wonderful promise to parents, but who's he talking to? He's not talking to parents. He's still talking to the sing, O barren one. And this promise, your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. It will give us abundance. Here in this life and in the life to come, Promises aren't only in the here and after. Right? Yeshua said, forsake all and come and follow me. And you will have more in this life and in the life to come. So forsake your parents and your spouse and, and your children, your friends, and follow me. And I will give you more of those things in this life, and in the life to come. That's God's promise. We can trust him and watch him fulfill it. I've seen him. I've seen him do it in people's lives. In righteousness you shall be established. In some of the ways I've seen it, I've been to funerals, conducted funerals, and visited funerals. Visited funerals of people who've 
been married and had children and even maybe lots of children and almost nobody's at the funeral. And I've been at other funerals of people who haven't been married or were married but didn't have kids and they have abundance of people there. Descendants of theirs. Friends of theirs. People that have been blessed by them. People that will be in heaven because of them. They were blessed here in this life and will be blessed in the life to come as well. Verse 14, in righteousness you shall be established. You'll be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. What a wonderful promise. We are established in righteousness. Not again in Abraham and Sarah trying to have a child so desperately to fulfill God's promise that they sinned to do so. No, we are not established in shortcutting God. We are established in trusting God. In righteousness, you shall be established. And in trusting in him, we'll be far from oppression. We will not fear will be far from terror, for it will not come nigh us. Yet, doesn't mean there won't be any problems, because they will surely assemble. <laughs> they will gather together, not just one, but many will gather, an assembly will gather. And not from the Lord. They will gather from the devil. And they will tempt us. And they will assemble against us. But we will not fall. God will sustain us. God will hold us up. So the temptations that come in and the doubts that come in and the negativity that comes in and the doubts that come in and the discouragement that comes in. The pressures from this world, from society, from others, from ourselves, they will assemble from the devil himself. They will assemble against us. But if we trust in the Lord, our, in righteousness we shall be established and we will not fall. We shall not fear. Shall not come nigh us. And in verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They will form weapons against us but no weapon formed shall prosper. And every tongue, every tongue, which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. What a wonderful promise. You want to write this inside your forehead. You want to remember this one. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful promise. When they assemble against us, when their tongues speak evil against us, when they rise up in judgment against us, they will not prosper, and you will be able to condemn them. What a wonderful promise. We get attacked by the devil. We get attacked internally and externally. We can trust in the Lord. 
This is our heritage. This is what we inherit from the Lord. As we are his servants. And our righteousness, the righteousness that we are established, is not our own righteousness, not our own goodness, not our own abilities, not our own talents and gifts. Our righteousness that establishes us is his righteousness, for their righteousness is from him. He pours his righteousness on us. He marries us, he loves us, he embraces us, he has mercy upon us, he's kind to us. He comforts us. He is the Lord of the whole earth. He's the Lord God of Israel. And he will meet our needs. He will abundantly bless and expand our territory as we trust in him. And we will be established in righteousness and not have to fear the terrors, not have to fear those that assemble against us, not have to fear those who lie against us and accuse us and condemn us. For our righteousness is from God. We can trust in him. As we pray together, whatever your need is tonight, whatever your longing is tonight, maybe you feel barren, maybe you feel forsaken, maybe you feel forsaken from the Lord, Maybe your longing has been for children. Maybe your longing has been for a spouse. Maybe you've had a spouse or have a spouse but it's not meeting your need. Maybe you've had children but they haven't met your need. Whatever your longing is for, wherever you feel empty, wherever you feel a need unmet. I invite you to surrender that to the Lord tonight. Confess the unbelief. Confess the trusting in the things and the people of this world. And embrace the Lord tonight. Allow him to embrace you. Allow him to accept you. Allow him to meet your need. Allow him to comfort you. Receive his kindness. Receive his goodness. Receive his righteousness. Receive his power to rejoice. Or maybe you're afflicted. Maybe you've been, had others form weapons against you. Maybe there are some that are trying to condemn you right now. Maybe they're assembling against you. Maybe they're talking evil against you. Maybe they're lying about you and you want to receive God's promise and hold fast to his promise that you will be established in his righteousness and that you will condemn them and that God will keep the terror away and that you will not fall but that you will stand and that you will prosper and that you will go forward and your territory will be expanded and your stakes will be strengthened and your cords will be lengthened as you trust in the Lord. So whatever your need, whatever your situation, let us receive of God's promises as we pray together.
Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful for your word and we're thankful for these wonderful promises. We're thankful, Lord, that your economy is totally different than this world. We're thankful that your culture is different than this world. We're thankful that your ways are different than this world. And we're thankful, Lord, that we can enter into your culture. We can enter into you. We can enter into your mind. We can enter into your thinking. Lord, forgive us and wash us clean and we accept the sacrifice of the Messiah to wash us clean of all doubt, to remove all fear out of our minds, to remove all lack of faith, to remove all the idols in our lives, all the things that we think we need. We surrender them to you. Lord, we ask forgiveness for not receiving of you and you alone. We want to do that right now. Lord God, we want to receive you. We want you in our hearts. We want you to be our spouse. We want you to be our maker. We want you to be our provider. We want to trust you to fulfill these promises in us. And Lord, those of us that are afflicted and tossed with tempest and not comforted, Lord, those of us that are being attacked, both with weapons or with words, those of us that are being condemned, Lord, establish us in your righteousness. Cover us in your righteousness. Lord, fulfill your promise and hold back the winds of strife. Turn it upon the wicked. Turn it upon those that are trying to bring us down. Turn it back against those that are trying to squelch us and stop your work in us. Lord, and bless us and give us more children for your kingdom. Bless us abundantly and expand our horizons for you. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.